0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 36. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Over the last few weeks, we've had a bunch of new listeners here to the show, and if for some reason you don't know about the Rootless Living Magazine, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription. Today, I'm talking to Caleb and Crystal, and we chat about how their business was really the driving force to get them on the road, and you won't believe some of the scary situations they have found themselves in while RVing. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode.
1: All right, with that, I want to welcome Caleb and Crystal to the show. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. How about you, man?
1: I'm hanging in. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm in Michigan right now, so I'm still kind of, my body's still vibrating from driving on the freeways yesterday. So
2: nice I nice hot up there.
1: It's like 85 right now, which is a little warmer, but they opened the pool. So I'm super excited about that. I might actually go in the pool. Where are you guys in the world right now?
2: We are actually in Pensacola right now. Pensacola, Florida. It is... About 95. (laughs) It's
1: it's funny too now that you have to... Even really popular cities like Las Vegas. I didn't think you had to say which state Las Vegas was in. But (laughs) there's a Las Vegas, New (laughs) Mexico. Like wherever you are, you have to say the city and the state nowadays and I as before I was a full-timer you didn't have to do that if you said Pensacola I knew where you were but there was a yeah. moment where I was like you know what there could be one in Alabama. I hope that's <laughs> exactly. one it is. We're
2: actually from Maine so there's a bunch of uh, cities up there that are actually named after countries so it gets a little confusing out there people already assume Maine is part of
1: Canada. We're
3: from the lesser known Portland as well. <laughs>
1: Out. yeah i learned all that i didn't know any of that until i went and did the new england tour and actually i'm maybe like an hour away from detroit i didn't realize detroit was a like a nine iron to canada i didn't know you were looking across basically the river and seeing canada yeah, so, uh, there, what, last year yeah yeah we did
2: a whole tour to like the the western part of michigan and then over to central did a bunch of art shows up there. We took a nice long trip on the whole western coast
1: of Michigan. It was beautiful. That's really cool. So what do you consider your guys' self? Full-time, part-time, sometime? <laughs> Definitely full-time. What are you guys traveling in?
2: So we actually just upgraded our rig. We are now in a 18 RBE grand design imagine.
1: Welcome yeah. to the Grand Design family.
2: <laughs> yeah, we like it so far. <laughs> couple
1: issues, but that's all right. It's to be expected with brand new. Without a doubt. I mean, that's one of the things that people talk about where they'll say, oh, I don't want to buy used because I don't want there to be any problems. And, you know, it depends. I mean, there's there's there could be problems either way, whether they're problems with a warranty or problems because, you know, you're going to fix them as full timers. We're asking these rigs to do a lot that they're not actually mm-hmm. made to do. So. Yeah,
2: that's for sure. We actually really lucked out with our first rig we bought used. It was a 2010, and it was an absolute gem. There wasn't a single thing wrong with it. We did all the work on it ourselves, but definitely lucked out with that one. So
3: we put sixty thousand miles on it, so it was it was time to <laughs> upgrade.
2: It was definitely sagging a little bit. You can see the <laughs> wear and tear on it.
1: it. now it sounds like you're describing me. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's go back though. Three years ago, what did your life look like? Where were you living? What were you doing for work? And then let's talk about how you made the transition into full time nomads.
2: So we were in uh, Ormond Beach, Florida, actually. I was doing art shows full-time. Crystal was still working a part-time job.
3: No, I worked full-time. I I had a nine-to-five office job, typical Monday through Friday.
2: (laughs) I was telling her to go part-time. Actually, I was telling her to quit. (laughs) So then we started getting into doing art shows full-time and we're staying in hotels too much we realized we should just hit the road full time and save a lot of money we both don't like sleeping in hotels it's terrible night sleep so this I, is much better
3: i think we're a little different too that um our business is what dictated us traveling full time rather than the other way around that makes sense
1: what do you guys it's, you're going to different art shows and selling your own art like explain what that is
2: yeah so I'm a full-time jeweler that's what I've been doing for five years now Um, before that I went to school for business and started bartending realized that's not what I want to do and started making jewelry again and once I saw I could make some money at it it's like all right let's do this full-time then we started applying for some of the biggest shows in the country and
1: you pretty much jumped in head first
2: <laughs> yeah there was no <laughs> dip in the toes and it's just like this is what I want to do let's let's make this happen
1: so did you have any kind of RV experience before deciding to go full-time RV
2: not, not really nice. I mean the the only bit was my family moved from California to Maine when I was a kid and that was like uh maybe a 25 foot class class c we took a month to do it from california to maine and that kind of kind of broke me into it but yeah that's about it besides tent camping
3: yeah i did a lot of tent camping as a kid too but yeah we we had no real rv experience
2: <laughs> anyone growing up in maine they know you're either tent camping you're going out you're staying in a cabin it's just kind of the lifestyle there.
1: i do like that most rvs our viewers, I should say, really want to make sure that they understand the difference between camping because I too was a tent camper and I don't remember bringing my fifty-inch plasma that could go up and down. <laughs> right. So you I kind of always out on that. Yeah.
3: we don't camp. We don't have campfires. We don't. We don't We, we still have
1: campfires once in a while. We do enjoy that. It's and a special
3: like... occasion when we do.
1: <laughs> so you did mention this was your your second rig or more than that. You've had one rig previously that you bought used did all the work, and then you went into this one in 2018.
3: It... No, this one we just bought um, oh, wow. in March, actually. It's a 2019. Then it's a considered an 18 RBE is like the number on it.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Now, now I'm tracking with you. Fifth wheel, bumper pole. I don't know all the model numbers.
2: Uh, travel trailer. So we have a, a cargo van. We actually started out with a smaller cargo van, like a little Chevy Express. And that was really just because we could store all of our art in there from our booth our displays all the jewelry there's quite a bit that we need to tow to the art shows and then we had a small travel trailer behind that it was a little coachman
3: it's kind of funny the white cargo van is kind of a prerequisite for an artist to have but it's also now this van life thing too so it's kind of we fit in both all of a sudden
2: (laughs) the van we have now it's a Ford Transit and it's a mid roof, so everyone assumes that we live in that full time when we see them on
3: the road. We get asked that question. That thing's time. so
2: cool. Yes, living in there its like kind of, but not really. <laughs> we live behind the van.
1: Do you guys use the van at all for any kind of excursions or camping when maybe taking the travel trailer doesn't make sense?
2: No, not really. We do have a swing on the side of it, so. <laughs> we kind of pull up to the beach and sit there. (laughs) That's about it.
3: There's not a whole lot of extra room in there. It's full of all of our business booth display, everything, all inventory, everything like that. So yeah, it's pretty (laughs) full.
2: We did do a build that only, which came out pretty cool. So we built like the ribs on the walls. We insulated it, kind of soundproofed it, made it so it's a little bit wet, better in uh, the heat keep the jewelry more protected. So there's a bunch of shelves in there. I'm pretty excited with how the the bill came out. It was a second van that we built out. So we kind of knew what we were doing this
1: time. Are there only the two front seats or are there still seats in the back?
2: Yeah, just the two front. It's a legit cargo van. The rest of (laughs) of it is for our dog. (laughs) She
3: explores the whole thing.
1: Well, I mean, this is a good transition now. It's kind of into work. So it sounds like obviously you guys are making your own jewelry and heading to these different shows and then staying obviously somewhere nearby and then taking everything either that stays in the van or coming out of the travel trailer and then heading over to the show. What is yeah, been- that?
2: That's why we, we wanted to go with a travel trailer so we can just drop it, drive into the show, set up, yeah. drive back. One of it so much
3: the main benefits of having an RV as an artist is most of the shows provide free artist overnight parking so we can dry camp right on the premises of the show
1: that's very cool cuz i was kind of thinking that i had some friends that i met on the road that did uh what's what do i want to say like the festivals it sounded like they had that same kind of area where there was an area very close by within the property you know you weren't actually like in the property with your RV because they were still trying to be like, you know, it was whatever the 1600s is like the Renaissance kind of thing, but they set up a booth and I don't know, sell stuff that wasn't Renaissance for some reason, (laughs) which is.
2: (laughs) Do what you got to do exactly yeah so we we boondock in the heart of some cities it's pretty crazy some of the some of the spots that we've parked our travel trailer downtown, is pretty long
3: atlanta downtown minneapolis like
2: right in the heart of miami, like miami. right downtown as bases bumping and cars are flying by and we're parked there and trying to sleep. set up our <laughs> set up our chairs and hang out before the show it's pretty cool though because i, I feel like we're kind of uh, little niche market that not too many people experience. I mean, even all of our friends that do art shows, we're the only ones that are full time. We have a bunch of friends that have travel trailers, but yeah, they still have the sticks and brakes.
3: They still have to go home on Sunday night.
1: <laughs> how long is a show usually?
2: Um usually Saturday, Sunday, but sometimes it's a little bit longer. Sometimes it's Thursday through Sunday.
1: And how spread out of an area are you guys doing shows?
2: Um for how far we'll travel. Um,
3: We've done the whole eastern United States. Yeah,
2: all the way Mm -hmm. over to Texas, up to Michigan, over to Maine, um, Florida in the wintertime. And
1: everything in between there. (laughs) Right now,
2: we should be technically in Colorado,
1: but yeah, it's the state of the world. We're kind of stationary at the moment. Because I think if I recall, and again, I'm comparing it to kind of the, the renaissance they don't have like the main ones going on at the same time. So it allows people to kind of move. Is that the same thing in kind of your industry? are the are the shows going on at the same time? So you have to pick which one you want to be at, or do they kind of rotate?
3: Yes and no. Um there's circuits. So depending on the time of the year, obviously, in the summertime, you can pretty much choose any northern state and you'll be able to find a show on that weekend and vice versa in the winter time in in the south. So you we kind of create a circuit. So we either hear about a show that we want to try, and we try to schedule other shows along the way, or we go back to shows that we've done well at in the past.
2: (laughs) There's some shows that are rated so high that a top nation show that we We apply to it, if we get in, it's like, all right, we're gonna drive quite a few states to get over just for this one show, it makes it worthwhile.
3: Most people don't even realize that the um, application process of getting into these shows, it's a whole jury process. It's really competitive. So there's some years that we've applied, I mean, four years in a row and haven't gotten in. And then we'll finally get in. So then we have to make our route around that show.
1: Once you're in, are you in? Or do you have to reapply every year? Every no. year. <laughs> I wish there were some shows
2: that you just do so well and are like, oh, I really hope I get in next year. But then there's awards on top of that. So sometimes if you win an award, you're automatically back in. So that's kind
1: of a nice part. I do want to go back to the kind of the, the big city boondocking. I don't think I've really had anyone on the show that that's part of what they've done in their travels. So, Let's yeah. talk about some of the pros and cons of that. Because obviously with me with a 42-foot rig, I'm not going into the heart of Atlanta. You know, I'm like, that's just not <laughs> I don't blame you. We, we don't really want to either. I mean, I, mean, I kids dog, little
3: Our little 20-footer is not fun to drive in big cities. So yeah,
2: the, the downside is uh, four-lane traffic is not very fun. And everyone wants to cut you off because they see you towing. And they're like, oh, this guy must be going slow. Let's get in front of him. So you have a lot of that. But the, the pros to it, I mean, you're, you're in the city. Once you're there, we get to walk around. We have dinner in the city. can have some drinks and walk back home, and we're right there. It's pretty cool. Not too many people have that experience. Because most of the time, the spots that we're parked in, they're, they're not zoned for RVs, obviously. So the show will get a permit and allow the artist to park there for the weekend.
1: How many other RVers, like how many other people are doing that when you're usually at a spot?
2: Um, It depends on the show. Some of the bigger shows, you'll fill up a parking lot.
3: Between 20 and... I mean, I feel like the most we've ever seen at another show is probably around 40 RVs, and then sometimes we're the only ones. (laughs)
2: Well, up in your area, we do the Ann Arbor Art Festival, and they have multiple parking lots where the artists just take over the city.
1: I didn't know there was this whole other kind of like RV community in and around this kind of niche business, which is really cool. And I think the idea of in the city how tall is your rig because i feel like that's what keeps me from even attempting to go in the cities i'm like 13. 13 feet yeah oh, wow so you're still really tall though okay
2: yeah our last one was a little bit shorter which was a little bit problematic on one of our trips going through new york but um, no new jersey yeah
1: it was new jersey
3: <laughs> <laughs> google maps decided to send us on a low clearance highway
1: <laughs> we had a truck out to no. do it to us it's in new months. york you were 13.6 and it tried to send me to a 12 foot six underpass and it was funny i pulled over and another fifth wheel drove by and i saw him pull over i don't think he would have seen it i just think he saw me pulled over that's I, so scary oh it was i had to back up there's nothing like backing up a 40 foot fifth wheel <laughs> like on a four lane little highway to get to oh, a turn right again yeah. that's a
3: nightmare
1: <laughs> and everyone's staring at
2: you like <laughs> rubbernecking like what's wrong with this guy <laughs>
1: I just don't understand why they put the signs after there's nowhere to turn. At this point, what can I do? You know what I mean? Like, if you would have given me a little bit of a sign before that right or left-hand churn, I could have figured something out. But at this point, it's just letting me know I'm going to lose an air conditioner.
2: Yeah, the sign is basically saying, sorry for your walk.
1: (laughs) I love this because I think this is, again, where... I guess maybe I'm one of the few people that feel there isn't a right or wrong way to do it. As long as you're doing it and you're happy, I just never thought someone would want to or be able to, you know, for weekend shows, you know, decide to go full time and probably does really make the experience a lot better because I'm with you guys on hotel stays, the idea of trying to, you know, floor it in a van with all your product and get there and just not be well rested. It's gotta be a completely different kind of experience. It yeah. really is we save so much on it
3: we were we were driving I mean sometimes like it it would be eight hour drive just up to Atlanta from where we were living, and we would have to drive back on Sunday night so I could go to work on Monday morning and we wanted to check out the city and we didn't even have a chance to do that, so this gives yeah, us the best of both worlds.
2: That's definitely one of the biggest pros is that we get to hang out in the city afterwards and get the actually immerse ourselves in the the local culture
1: yeah it's funny i used to talk about this i was kind of involved in the conference industry and i was very surprised that employees would get the opportunity to go to a conference and i'd always suggest you know to people like it'd be great if you could stay one extra night like while you're here in san diego for these like three days or while you're in boston for these three days the conference is just kind of overwhelming it's really no different really them being an exhibitor as well you're just drained And it would be nice before you head home drain if you had at least one day of kind of exploring the city and seeing what's going on and but most people they don't as soon as the shows over they're back on a flight you know they're bringing their suitcases to the convention center to the show because they know as soon as it's over they're leaving and I always think that's a rough way to experience anything. So I am always, you know, here's something I have not talked about on the show. So I just was in Elkhart, Indiana. I went to the RV hall of fame and museum and found out that RV started because of someone that wanted to work and take his family with him when he went on the road for sales. That was legitimately the first person that built an RV. I haven't really gone back and researched this. I'm thinking if the RV hall of fame and museum is saying that it's probably pretty true but I was blown away that it really started with kind of how this whole culture has shifted now where a lot of people are purchasing RVs so they can work on the road, that that's how it started. And I was blown away. Like I really just sat there like, I can't believe that's how it started was with one guy that was a road salesman and wanted to bring his family on the road with him, and basically made a, like a bumper pole setup. And, um, that's really cool. yeah, I was blown away that it has that history. I mean, we're talking about like the early 1900s. And yeah. I look at my own life and I was, you know, doing a lot of sales. The last thing I wanted to do was bring my family with me. So I was really surprised. I was surprised with that too. That guy was an awesome human being that he wanted to do that, especially then build his own. So let's talk a little bit about exploring cause we kind of left off there. What do you guys like to do when you're not traveling for work or when you're not working, what are you guys doing?
2: I mean, exploring the city. We, we both really like hiking. We're both really in nature. And one of the best parts is after the show, we stay on the outskirts of the city, but it it's tough to find an RV park usually in the heart of the city. So, yeah, we go out. We like to explore nature, waterfalls, hiking, beaches, obviously. I mean, being, being in Florida, we lived in Florida for about seven years, so we definitely became some beach bums. Right now, we're taking advantage of this whole situation and hitting up the beach on the weekends. But everything we do is dog friendly. I mean, we base our lives around <laughs> our pup. We're kind of obsessed with our dog, so everything we do is hiking or pet-friendly restaurants. Or
1: do you guys prefer the city? I mean, if if there were campgrounds in the heart of cities, do you prefer mm-hmm. the cities or do you prefer kind of the rural small town areas?
2: Um, I think we'd stay in the city just for the art show. I think we're both we, we kind of like the nature side of things better.
1: I think we
3: have the best of both worlds where we get to experience the cities on a really quick aspect. We take a day or two after the show or before the show and then we go back out to nature. <laughs> we stay, we prefer, you know, state parks. We stay in a lot of private RV parks as well, but we try to find the ones that you're not packed in like sardines.
2: <laughs> and if the city's really cool, we'll, we'll drive back in and do a couple things and- yeah, we definitely have the best of both worlds.
1: So in your kind of exploring, what's been one of your favorite places to hang out? It can be a campground or a state park or just a city, but what's really been somewhere where you couldn't believe how much you enjoyed it?
3: I think the whole west coast of Michigan. We spent the entire month of June last summer um, exploring the whole uh, coast of Lake Mich- Michigan, and we started at Indiana Dunes State Park, and that was probably our one of our favorite stops ever.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a highly recommended spot with the dunes there, the beach. You can see Chicago skyline when it's a clear day. You can take the train into the city, which we did. That was really cool.
3: That would be one of our...
2: That's definitely definitely up there. It's tough, though. That that question is definitely not an easy one to answer. Just keeping track of everything that we do and all the cool cities we go to, it's kind of a blur at times. and it's nice to have the social media just to look back and be like oh yeah we're just there mm-hmm. we're just over here and there there's pros and cons to it i heard you talking to someone else about the whole aspect of when you work a job you kind of save up that time for vacation and you've that vacation. Our life is borderline a vacation at all times. So everything is exciting. All the cool spots are beautiful and fresh and
1: we get to dictate our own hours. And Yeah, there really isn't that kind of adrenaline rush that you get from a standard vacation or a previous vacation because you're living this life week after week. And it sounds like you guys, you're primarily working, I mean, the shows on the weekends, I'm assuming that You know, once you go to a show, you sell a ton, then you're back into kind of production mode. Is it every weekend or do you guys move around or how does that work?
2: Depends on the season. It can be, it can be every weekend. We'll do, it's like the max, we've done like eight shows in a row. Yeah. Which is too much. It's (laughs) exhausting. (laughs) First off, the inventory, I can only make so much being one person. Um, I don't cast or I don't do anything by sell. Everything's just made by me, so... Yeah, that definitely dictates how many shows we can do. But if there's a bunch of really good shows back to back, it's like, well, let's make the money while we can.
1: In a non-pandemic year, how many shows do you go to in a year, do you think, kind of on average?
3: About 35, 35, 40, yeah.
2: Which just has taught us we do need to slow down because we we were kind of wrapped up in that whole mindset of go, 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 make all the money we can, save up. And it definitely takes a toll so we've we've learned some lessons from this time that we definitely value we're both reading way more both exercise and doing our yoga daily so that's definitely learned some some pros from all this definitely not all bad
1: yeah i'm actually one of the guys that hopes we keep up the stay six feet away from people i really like my space you know like i'm at a grocery store or something i just like that that i'm noticing that like that's something i hope we keep i hope we keep cleaning like we've never cleaned before because i think we learned really i'm
2: my cleaning but i'm, I'm a hugger I, I like
1: oh no if i know you bro I'm let's not, hug i'm
2: not
3: good with giving people bubbles <laughs>
1: Yeah, but if we're, uh, if we're at Walmart and I can feel your breath and I'm six foot seven on the back of my neck.
3: <laughs> Walmart is different. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm back on your team. <laughs> okay.
1: That was a roller coaster. <laughs> Mind me not to have you as like a witness in any kind of case that's against me. Oh, no, no, he was there. Yeah, I saw him. Wait, oh, no, no, no. actually, no, I didn't. Um, I got to assume because you guys are able to travel and do so many shows and I could be completely wrong but it sounds like it might be more affordable to be able to do this than if you, and I'm not talking about just paying for your bricks and sticks, but it just sounds like the travel cost outside of doing it full time would be a lot more. were you always, you were always driving to the shows Were you ever flying to shows and then like the hotels, it's gotta be a lot cheaper to be able to do it this way.
2: Um, I don't know that it comes out too much cheaper just because all the th- activities that we do when we do get to the destination, Um, We spend more time in the city. So rather than just driving straight back, we had gas going to and from, we had our hotel. But now we're kind of more like, all right, well, let's make this more of like a destination. We're going to drive there, do the show, hang out a bit, usually eat out a little bit more.
3: We were spending um, about the same per month in hotels that we were spending in rent for our apartment before we hit the road. So we are saving there, but we're spending it in other places,
2: so. <laughs> we, we definitely save a lot on not doing the hotels because we didn't like, we like staying in a, like, at least a mid range of hotels.
1: So what would you say overall though, the old life versus the full-time nomad life? 100%
2: <laughs> full-time nomad. Yeah, there's, there's no no question about that. I recommend it to everyone to at least try. It's definitely not for everyone, but we love this lifestyle. I mean, it's just opened up so much of the world to us. So many things that we kind of were lacking. I mean, even just changing up RV parks, the scenery might look the same, but being that it's a little bit different, it just makes everything fresh and new again. And it keeps that kind of like child state of mind.
3: And there were so many predisposed things we thought about places before we actually visited them. And it's funny because every single place has surprised us and we've fallen in love with it in a way that we, we had no idea. I mean, take Texas, for example. <laughs> I mean, there's some stereotypical things that people think about Texas. And when we got there, we absolutely loved the people there and we loved the entire state. The people were awesome.
2: I think we kind of have a preconceived notion on most of the South, and everything has been obliterated from, from those notions. Everyone's just been so awesome. And that's one of the best parts about our job is just meeting people in different cities and experiencing different cultures. And that's what I miss most about our job. Like We love what we do. Just having a random conversation with someone that you never would typically do in any other
1: job. No, that's for sure. I I feel like I'm the opposite in the way that I'm helping people understand that not everyone from California is a complete, you know, whatever they have their idea (laughs) of. You know what I mean? Like uh, so many times I tell people I'm from South Dakota and they're like, really, what part? I'm like, Los Angeles. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, I lived in Los Angeles for about 40 years. So that's really kind of if a home, if I have to say a home. And they're like, oh, really? And then after hanging out, they're like, are all the kind of people from California like you? And. I think I've talked about this where there's people that don't like something that have never done something. I hate sushi. Why wouldn't you like? Oh, I've never had it. I've never understood that mindset. And I've ran into that a lot in and around California where it's like, oh, I hate California. What happened when you went there? Oh, I've never been.
2: Yeah. I, I don't understand that mentality. I, I'll never relate to that.
1: And Caleb, this question is specifically for you. When are you moving to Washington state? <laughs>
2: Why do you ask that? <laughs> Just so because far- we're, we're planning on it.
1: Because so Wait, far I mean, you've lived in California, one corner, yeah, Maine, oh, the yeah, other yeah, corner, yeah, and yeah, Florida, yeah, the other corner. It's like you just like corners with water. So I gotta assume that yeah, Washington State sure. is next. Or Alaska.
2: What's funny is kind of a weird segue is our plan when we packed up and we moved from uh from maine that's where we met up there we packed up we sold all all of our possessions packed it all into a small suv and hit the road we moved to florida and our initial plan was just to stop in florida hang out with my grandfather kind of take care of him for a little bit more just hang out with him he was one of the coolest people of our lives and then head out to washington state that was actually where we were planning mm-hmm. on moving, and we got a little bit of a taste of the retired lifestyle <laughs> living in, in Florida, drinking on the beach, and playing shuffleboard, and hanging out with all the old old folks. And we ended up staying there for seven years.
3: So that is kind of a funny. So when <laughs> you
2: asked, uh, so when am I moving to Washington State? I like, thought about it years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny.
1: Well, you know what? This is something I haven't asked anyone. Is as a full timer, do you have any desire to own a piece of property that you know is like yours and to have a studio and to be able to go back to if you want to or is it just you know i'm not not even on the radar right now
2: yeah definitely we talk all the time about owning some land it's more figuring out where we want to do it because i have a serious passion for agriculture getting my hands on the soil and crystal's definitely adopted that as well so we we would like some land just to farm on but i don't see us ever being stationary full time so it would kind of be kind of a bounce off point
3: we've also been bouncing around the idea of starting our own rv park too (laughs)
2: we've we've toyed with that notion a few times just because after staying at so many different parks we know exactly what people want what they're looking for what we like what amenities we think are are necessary.
1: So you're, you're saying exactly kind of the same feelings that I have, you know, I'd love to grow hay at some point. I'd love to have like at least a barn to go back to every once in a while. If I need to just regroup, I've done some long stays in places, two months, even four months. And I actually really liked how that kind of like rejuvenated me to get back on the road. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you with the RV park situation too, that, you know I think I think anything the entire industry needs to start consulting with full timers, whether you're you're making the rigs, what those need to look like and how they need to operate because I think a lot of people that just use them on weekends would get a better experience too, and then obviously yeah. the campgrounds I recently was at a campground, and let's just say there's nine spots that are in a row. they reserve you for one, two, three, and four, and five through nine are empty and I'm just like. There's no reason you guys can't go every other. You know, just that is simple. And it's like, well, that's not how the system lets us reserve spots. And I'm like, I don't care. You got to figure it out because there's no reason to put us all four down here on top of each other and then have five empty spots the entire two weeks we're here. Was
3: yeah. oh, this because of the pandemic?
1: No, this was, I think, just their old just operating the software or the way it comes in. You know, it's kind of like I was trying to explain it where it's like, these aren't waiters. Like you don't need to keep us close together to make it easy to serve us on table service. You know, it's, you can spread us out all through the restaurant. It's totally fine because we're gonna serve ourselves. And uh, I ran into that a couple times. Or just the way that the the campsite was laid out. I think it was laid out by someone that never been RVing or camping ever.
2: You know? Yeah, we've seen it multiple times. There's really no excuse for the outdated software and. Yep. Layouts. Some of these layouts we've seen are just mind blowing. Where the the hookups are on the wrong side, you're looking into your neighbor's camper. They're facing the same direction you are, so you have like a shared picnic table area <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes for a really awkward time. If, uh, if I'm
1: currently not- at a park where I am parked backwards on purpose because in my door I'm at the end. But if I would have went in the correct way through this pull through, I would be opening my door to my neighbor. So now, you know, I ran the power and the hose under the rig. I don't know what I'm necessarily going to do with sewer. I might just load up and then head over to the dump because it might be a little too much to go under the rig. And it even feels like it's uphill, which even if I was parked the right way, it's still going uphill. But I just, it's one of those things where I was like, how did they do this? How did they not know that someone would want to face the end cap where I've got this big lawn and a tree that I wouldn't want on the backside of my rig? And then on top of that, my fire pit, if I went in correct, would have to be on the backside of my rig that's where i'd be sitting by the fire that's awkward
3: (laughs) i do think that there's many times that the people have never actually camped or rv'd before they set it up it's it just doesn't make any sense (laughs) so we've
2: toyed with the notion a couple times and we keep revisiting the whole idea of owning an rv park it's just would we want to stay stationary for long enough to get it completely up and running and we're both so hands-on that we like to have control over everything so we'd have to end up staying there
1: that'll be fun though if you guys do we'll definitely we'll have you back and, and talk about that i'm actually setting up an interview right now for uh two guys that opened up a like an rv resort in texas and it's brand new and i'm bringing them on just so i can kind of pick their brain on what The whole process and everything was like just to hear about it because I do think full timers, for most full timers, I'd say about 50% have this idea of I would love to own a, a campground or an RV park at some point, yeah, you know, be involved in it. So it'd be interesting to bring them on. You I know mean, what,
2: it's a good business, like staying in Florida in the wintertime, it is so difficult for us to find a spot, especially things we bounce around and. We don't know exactly what show we're going to get into until like a few months out. So we can't book it a year in advance. Like a lot of the people do that stay in Florida. So that's been a little bit of a nightmare. Um I, I don't think a lot of people realize that when they're hitting the road, they're like, yeah, we'll stay in Florida in the wintertime and say, Oh, you might want to revisit those plans. <laughs> think twice. Unless you do, unless you can commit a year in advance.
1: Yeah. And that's tough. I mean, we did a lot of, like long-term reservations and then plans got changed and then it just became like a real kind of like headache and we were going way too fast and we kind of like all right we're here for two weeks we'll take some time and figure out where we're going to be two weeks from now and that's kind of where we stay is in about a two week but it sounds like with you guys I mean you have to be in specific areas so you do have to kind of figure that out and how much notice do you Going back to work real quick. How much notice do you have for a show once you get approved? How much time is there?
3: Sometimes um, three to four months. Sometimes less than that. It depends on the the jury process for the individual show.
1: Gotcha. Man, juries scare me, but for different reasons. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad these juries
3: are scary too.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: we can see some of the shows that people get into and unfortunately there's a real problem with like buy sell and we try to do like i said like the top shows in the country and still sometimes people like it It's like oh man i wish we had gotten into this show and this is a really lucrative one
1: well here on the wrap-up what i like to do is do something called the, the high low i know you guys have listened to the podcast so it's just talking about something that's been low since being kind of a full-timers and you guys can pick what you want it to be but it can't be flat tires bad internet or covid those are the three things we. <laughs> We can't talk about. So uh, other than that, what's been kind of a low since being full time?
2: Well, uh, we had two that were kind of scary. I mean, we both like to be extremely positive about almost everything, but these two were kind of scary. Um, the first one was a failed frame. So on our first rig, we were coming through was it uh
3: West Virginia West Virginia
2: Mountain Range. We had just come out of the range, we we're heading to Kentucky from Virginia. And we pull over to the gas station. It was really late at night. Crystal just had kind of a weird feeling. So she pulled over. It's beyond me why she pulled over at this point, because we were almost to our destination. We didn't
3: even need gas.
2: (laughs) We get to the gas station. Um, She runs out back to go to the bathroom and notices that something's not quite right. Our frame is in an A shape. The whole front tongue is smashed up against the front of our camper. So yeah, our frame had completely broke on both sides. Um, our tongue wasn't overweight. We're sticklers about calculations with that. It was just a bad weld. Um, yeah, that was, that was a complete nightmare. That was scary. We stayed in the gas station that night. That was pretty miserable. Yeah. But we had someone help us out the next day. We welded our frame back together and we got back on the road. But it was really scary. We're literally probably like an eighth of an inch from our frame, completely detaching from the the whole camper itself. So we would have just been dragging the propane tanks in the front of our frame. The brakes wouldn't have been been engaged because that the safety line is in front of the spot where it snapped. So yeah, it could have it could have killed potentially us or some other people.
3: Really you scary. That didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really our other other worst low was weather related. Um, Back in December, the campground that we were staying at, a uh, EF1 tornado tore through the campground, and um, it was one of the most terrifying experiences of our lives. It was 110 mile per hour winds for about a minute, and um, the Class A that was two sites over from us actually flipped over.
2: It it went right over the top of us. Like I watched it out the window just go directly over us. Our whole back end of our camper was smashing up and down. Crystal is in my arms convulsing. Our dog was trying to Azula, she was trying to warn us about fifteen, twenty minutes ahead of time. I thought she just had to go to the bathroom, but it was raining a little bit. So I was like, that's that's kind of weird. She She's got a bladder of steel. Like if it's drizzling out, she will not go out. She'll wait an entire day if she has to to go to the bathroom. So it was definitely really suspicious. She kept licking my hand and nudging it, trying to wake me up. I was like, this is really odd.
1: Then it hit all of a sudden. Was it like in the middle of the night, you mean? Yeah.
3: It happened at 5 a.m., And only half of the campground, uh, the people staying in the campground, got notifications on our phones. So we weren't one of them, obviously.
2: (laughs) So Verizon, you owe us on this one. (laughs) I don't know what happened, but we were not warned. It's really odd, though. Some people had Verizon, some AT&T, and like Crystal said, half the people in the park got the warning. There wasn't much they could have done because the warning came 15 minutes out. People went into the building in the middle of the campground, uh, which had steel doors on it. The steel doors even got ripped off the hinges. There was people that tried to make it to the ranger station. Our neighbors behind us, they didn't quite get there. And they thought their truck was just going to lift off the ground. So everyone in the park basically received damage except for us. And it went right over the top of us. It was pretty wild.
3: We were just luckily placed the right direction and small enough and low enough to the ground, I guess. We were lifted
2: off the ground multiple times. It was really weird. But when we we got out of our camper, that's when we saw our neighbors were completely flipped over. Massive class A. And they didn't just get pushed over. They got lifted off the ground and slammed down. Their front windshield busted open, and that's how they were able to climb out. Yeah, that was. I would say those were two of our biggest lows. Yeah. <laughs> um, the tornado definitely makes you think twice about living on the road. It's like, hmm, sticks and bricks sound pretty nice right now, like a nice and mortared-in home.
3: Even then, you don't have protection <clears throat> against the tornado. <laughs> no, but a lot
2: more than a, a small little 18-foot travel trailer.
1: Yeah, and it sucks that these high winds always seem to come at that, like, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. when most people are deep sleep and there's not a lot of you know, I will say this is not a sponsor of this show in any way, but there's an app I just recently found out about called Dark Sky, and it's available yeah, right online. Yeah. yeah, and I've I've been blown away by this app, and I, I don't know if it has it on Android. I'm an iPhone user, but I've been blown away where, like literally they'll say, it's going to start raining in two minutes, and in two minutes, like it's like someone turned a sprinkler on. It's the most bizarre app I've ever had for weather. In regards to wind and rain. Or yeah, I
2: do like that it's a user aggregated, so you yeah. can actually interact with it and give it up to date information.
1: Yeah, it did ask me one time, is it really partly cloudy? I was like, I don't know It's <laughs> outside. Let me tell you. All right, well let's go. Let's transition to the highs. Those are some. Those are some good lows for sure. Let's get into the highs. <laughs> What's been that? I can't believe this is our life kind of moments for you guys.
2: And that's a tough one because, like I addressed earlier, I mean our life feels like a vacation a lot of the time. I'll say some of the best moments really are just sitting at the base of a mountain range and sun setting. We're sitting outside with our pup and playing some games. That's kind of that's kind of the best moments to me. Those are the biggest highs. Really I like simplicity though.
3: There are so many times when the blinds are closed inside our rig, I have no idea where we are. I'll have a small freak out and then I remember and the next morning I wake up and I can't believe that this is a, I get to see different scenery every day, every week.
2: Yeah, we might have iguanas running through our <sighs> our little area or up north, and we might see some snow flurries. <laughs> it's pretty wild. These we do move so much, it, it, you do kind of forget what city you're in at times. But I don't know, it's tough to point out a high.
3: I think the whole the whole lifestyle is a high. I mean, there's little bits here and there that aren't, but for the most part, it really is.
2: Yeah, I do like that you've addressed it on a couple of the other podcasts that so many people are pointing out a lot of the like negative aspects of it. But really so many of those negative aspects compared to a traditional lifestyle, really pale in comparison. I mean, we've had some some rough days, definitely. Um, uh, when you when you're not getting along perfectly and you're booty bumping the other person, I will say our upgraded rig is so nice that we have a little more, uh, width to it. There's no more
1: we have bouncing here. off of each other. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I, I, it's not that I'm like some guy that's like, Hey, we need to keep it real. Cause I've seen a lot of that too, where it's like, yeah. let's talk about the black tank, you know, really, I think everyone that's owned a home has had a toilet overflow and no one has ever gone to Instagram and say, Hey guys, check it out. I've had a toilet overflow. So I don't necessarily think that's keeping it real, but I well, do. If believe- you go to
2: our feed, you'll see uh, my arm actually down. I removed the toilet. My arm is in our tank. Yeah. We- We've had that's our little- shared
3: black tank issues. So we do so, try to keep it real in that So sense. this new one, when
2: they, uh, when they <laughs> cut the ring out to set the tank in there, the plastic ring was dropped in there. They didn't remove it. So that was completely plugging up our, our black tank when we first got it. <laughs> like, how come our tank's not emptying? This is weird.
1: that's 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 different when you're taking the toilet off and sticking your hand down that's a little different than just a picture with the hose you know and you're plugging your nose and you're like keeping it real that's a whole different kind of reel for sure yeah oh when you mentioned the black take i had to throw that in. there. (laughs) no no that's that's legit (laughs) like that would make me be like oh yeah that's not that's not good yeah because i'm the same guy right now was only like two months ago yeah (laughs) i feel your pain now, if people want to see your hand stuck down a toilet, where are they going to find you online? Where can people reach out to you guys?
3: Um, so we're on Instagram, uh, the Renegade Ramblers, the underscore Renegade underscore Ramblers.
2: When you mm-hmm. go there, there there will be a a link in our bio for Caleb Barnaby Designs is Caleb C a l e b dot Barnaby B a r n a b y. Crystal just can confirmed it's underscore so caleb underscore be
1: underscore designs nice i'll link all that down below too so you guys don't have to write it down or remember it but yeah you can check out the jewelry that he's making and find out more about them and their adventures and hang out with them well caleb and crystal i really appreciate you guys hanging out and coming on the show and telling us your story and i do hope that if anyone is In and around this kind of niche where you know having to go to trade shows or different shows or different fall festivals or whatever it is, reach out to them, hit them up with ideas and thoughts and processes, and I'm pretty sure they'll be willing to answer. Definitely
2: please do, because we're kind of transitioning, being a little bit more digital. So any info on that end would be greatly appreciated. I know some of you guys are wizards out there when it comes to that. So yeah, with less shows going on, we're kind of converting a little bit more online sale base. Any info would be greatly appreciated and we're more than happy to give out some info to some newcomers looking into getting into the art shows
1: or that's awesome caleb crystal thanks you guys for coming on the show
2: thanks buddy appreciate it thanks For for having us talk to
1: you again soon
0: well, another fun episode and hopefully you enjoyed hearing from a couple that is running a business while traveling in an RV Now obviously the majority of their business was coming from live in-person events I know they could use the support of this community So head over to caleb and see if anything catches your eye You can also find them on instagram by searching the username the underscore renegade underscore ramblers and all of this will be linked in the show notes so you don't have to write it down. And also just a friendly reminder, if you've liked this podcast or enjoyed the magazine, make sure to tell your friends and family by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out and it costs you nothing and the podcast and magazine costs them nothing. And like always if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.